Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. I'm Dwight Falk. We have a live stream also at thetrumpet.com. And you can get our program archives there as well in case you can't catch the programming live. We have podcasts available there. And um, wherever you'd like to get your podcasts, you can get all of our programming in those locations. Well, in today's society, people talk about cancel culture. Have you heard about that? Cancel culture. Cancel culture is defined as a form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online or on social media or in person. And uh, that's been in the news quite a bit lately. Uh, If a person says or does something that um, the majority, I guess, find offensive, then the guilty party is publicly shamed and removed from online platforms or could even be personal contact. Now, even if that person did something wrong, and they apologize, and they say, I'm sorry about that, you know, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that thing, whatever caused the canceling, that usually isn't enough. It's not enough. Once a person is canceled, they're canceled. And uh, that's the attitude anyway. They have to be banished forever. Well, aren't we glad God doesn't treat us that way? God doesn't treat us that way. God wants all people to repent of sin, and sin is a transgression of God's law. He wants all people to repent of sin and to move forward. And he wants that so much that, of course, as we know, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for sin. And God's not looking to have anybody be canceled. He's looking for people to repent and to change. But we have to make sure that we really understand repentance. Do we understand repentance? What does it mean to repent? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. Now, first of all, all people, except for Jesus Christ, have sinned. Everyone's done it. Everyone has sinned except for Christ. And so, everybody needs to repent. This fact is made clear in Romans 5. If you have a Bible handy, you could get it out. We could look at these scriptures together and see what God says about repentance. Romans 5 and verse 12, it says, Wherefore, As by one man sin entered into the world, talking about Adam, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we've all sinned. Jesus Christ is the only one who never sinned. Every other person has sinned. The first man, Adam, sinned, and then everyone that's come since, with again the exception of Christ, has sinned. And Christ lived a perfect life. He was the only human to live a perfect, sinless life. And Jesus Christ used the power of God's Spirit always to do the Father's will. He always did his Father's will, and he never sinned. But everybody else has sinned. And because all have sinned, all need forgiveness. And that means that all have to repent. Now, sometimes people can be offended by the idea that they have to repent. 
you know, when repentance is uh, brought up, you know, it's easy to bristle and think, well, you know, <laughs> you've got to repent too, and people can kind of point at each other. But everyone has to repent. Christ is the only one that was perfect. So everyone has to repent. We're all in that boat together where there has to be repentance and change and growth. And that's something that is um, just a fact when it comes to human beings. Humans have sinned. How have they done it? How has sin occurred? Well, here's a quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong Bible Correspondence Course. This is Lesson 9. And uh, if you're not signed up for that course, please sign up for it. It's a great course. It's free. It's a public service. It's an educational service. It's at thetrumpet.com. And the quote says, We have all performed, quote, the works of the flesh, fulfilling the inordinate desires of our minds and bodies, because we have all walked according to the course of this world as set by the prince of the power of the air, and that's referencing Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3. That prince of the power of the air is Satan the devil. He broadcasts in his moods and his impulses, and people are tempted and sin and perform the works of the flesh. So there are certain pulls of the flesh that, again, they're not wrong in and of themselves, like, say, the desire to eat food. There's nothing wrong with eating food. That's a fine desire. But what type of food do we eat? How much do we eat? You know, what priority do we put on something like that? Of course, and there are sexual desires as well. There's laws that guide and direct how a human being uses sex. God created it. It's a wonderful thing, but it can be used incorrectly as well. So when anything is used incorrectly and it's not done according to God's will, well, then there's sin there. There's a breaking of law. And so those works of the flesh where they get out of hand and they they get out of the bounds of how God created us, well, there's sin. The Apostle Paul notes in Romans 6, verses 21 through 23, that the end of these sinful works is death. It's death. We have to be realistic about the fact that if God didn't forgive us of our sins, we would die forever. That's the truth of the Bible. There's no place in Scripture that says people who refuse to repent will then be tormented forever in a hell fire. Now, there are scriptures that people misunderstand and, and misapply, but uh, those can be explained. And the correspondence course does that, and it goes through, we have a whole lesson on that, that talks about heaven and talks about hell and those different concepts and shows what the Bible actually teaches about that. What the Bible teaches is if a person is sinning and they refuse to repent, then eventually they die and they don't live again. That's the truth of the Bible. The Bible is clear about the fate of those who don't repent and refuse to do so. Look at Romans 6 here just a little further. Romans 6 and verse 23, very clear statement. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this scripture has great news in it. Uh, the fact that we can repent, we can be forgiven, and given the gift of eternal life. Now that is wonderful. But we can't ignore the first part. The wages of sin is death. Wages, of course, are something that you get paid for what you've done. And if you work a job 
at the end of a week or two weeks, whatever the pay period is, you get paid wages. Here's what you've earned. And what we earn when we sin is death. That's what sin brings about. So we need to be forgiven if we're to live. We have to be forgiven. And to be forgiven, part of that is that we have to repent. And that gets to what we're talking about today. What, what does it mean to repent? Notice this in Romans 5. Romans 5, we'll look at verses 8 through 10. It says, But God commends his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, remember, everybody has sinned except for Christ, Christ died for us. Verse 9, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we are reconciled to God the Father by the death of Christ, and we are saved by his life, Christ living in us through the power of God's Spirit. God's Spirit empowers us to obey God. Satan's broadcasts those moods, those impulses. He broadcasts those to try to get us to disobey God. He wants us to disobey God like he does. The correspondence course says there is only one way to have our sins blotted out, only one way to enter the kingdom of God as a glorified member of the God family, and this way involves repentance. It involves repentance. So back to our original question there. What is repentance? What is repentance? See, today society wants to cancel people and get rid of ideas they don't like and really be quite cruel. But God wants repentance. He wants people to be joyful, to be happy. Repentance is really a change of direction. If you want to sum it up maybe as simply as possible, Repentance is a change of direction, and we've all gone the direction of sin at times. To repent means to stop sinning and to start actively keeping God's law. Stop sinning and actively keep God's law. There's an example of this that we can look at in Ephesians 4. This is a great example. It really illustrates the point very well, what it means to repent. Ephesians 4 and verse 28, it says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to them that need. And so here Paul is very practically illustrating repentance. If a person has committed the sin of stealing, as is the example here, that breaks the Eighth Commandment. What are they to do to repent? How do they repent of that? What has to be done? Well, of course, they certainly have to ask God for forgiveness and claim the sacrifice of Christ because Christ paid the penalty for sin. And then they have to go forward and not steal anymore. And in fact, then they must begin 
to go the opposite direction. They have to begin to work and to give to others. It's a completely different direction. See, they were stealing. They were taking. They were trying to get for themselves in any way possible, including uh, just taking when it wasn't rightfully theirs. And so the instruction here is, well, stop doing that, and now start working so that you have enough to give to somebody else. Now, that's repentance. The person that used to steal now is the person that gives, that gives to others. See, that's repentance. There's a change of direction. There's a change of direction. They change their direction, and they live in accordance to God's laws. Now, that's very practical, but that's what repentance is. The fact that they are no longer stealing, but are working. Now, they're giving. Now, okay, so let's just add a little more to this. A person stops stealing, as is mentioned here in Ephesians 4, and they begin to work and they begin to give to others. They change their direction. Does the fact that they've stopped stealing and they've started to give to others, does that take away the penalty of the sin of stealing that they committed? No, that doesn't. Only Christ's sacrifice can pay for those sins. See, sin has a death penalty. Someone has to die. Christ paid that penalty. He paid that penalty. No amount of giving can forgive the sin of stealing. Christ's sacrifice has to pay for that. But the person who stole, once they are forgiven, once they really seek that forgiveness and, and it's granted to them, then they go forward and they stop stealing and they start giving. That's how they fully repent. Of course we need Christ's sacrifice. There's nothing we can do to pay the penalty for our sins other than if we were just to die and that would be it. But we have to have a, a penalty paid in our stead, and Christ did that. No amount of good works pays for sins, but Christ's sacrifice does. But then our job is to, as it says here in Ephesians 4, if we stole, stop doing that and start giving. Go the other way. Repent and change. And then there's no more penalty there because Christ forgave the past sins, and a person goes forward and they don't sin in that way. They don't sin in that way, and so they can move forward. And they can live, and Christ lives in them through the power of God's Spirit. And they're saved by Christ's life. It's a beautiful picture. Unfortunately, it's been so corrupted in the minds of so many where they hear parts of it, and they, it's not applied correctly, and they get turned around on it. And some people say, well, we don't have to do anything. And others think, well, no, they have to do everything. And neither one is correct. We have to see the full picture here, and it's brought out in the Scripture. And then, of course, the Bible Correspondence Course helps put those pieces together so that you can really understand the full picture and go through it and go through your Bible and put the passages together and see where, um, where God teaches these different things. Make sure we understand his word. So if a person were to just continue stealing and say, sorry, <laughs> well, at some point, uh, they're not going to be forgiven. 
you know, I mean, if a person is trying to really change and they're forgiven and then they slip up or something, well, they can go and repent again. I mean, there's provision for that. God knows we're weak and we need help. But if a person starts to just go ahead and sin and not really want to change and just keep saying, sorry, 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 well, that's not really repentance. And that ultimately can't be forgiven. That's turning grace into lasciviousness. As the Bible mentions, that's Jude 1 and verse 4. Grace into lasciviousness, where it's taking this idea of being able to be forgiven and just, you know, I'm going to keep sinning and I'll just be forgiven. Well, there has to be a change, though. There has to be repentance and change. And it's not just feeling bad, it's actually changing. And that's godly sorrow, where it's sorrow that leads to a change of direction. Real repentance there. God will not forgive a person who doesn't truly repent. He can't. He can't. Now, again, if a person slips up and then they set out to really change and keep moving in that direction, then God's there. He's merciful to forgive. Christ is our advocate. He goes to God the Father and tells him you know, <laughs> about what it's like being a human. He knows. He knows how hard it is and the challenges and all of that. But he also knows that if we use God's power, we can conquer. He did. And he knows that we can do it too. So God is merciful to work with somebody if their attitude's right, if they're really striving to grow, and if they use his power, they will conquer. They'll conquer. And they have to have the right attitude and the right effort. God's Spirit will empower us to conquer sin if we use it. The Correspondence Course says to repent of sin, then, actually means to change. It means to change. It is a total change of mind and heart and direction of life. You know, going back to that example in Ephesians, you know, if a person stole in the past, they're horrified by it. Now they don't even want to think about it. They, they wouldn't even want to get close to it because they've changed their life. They've changed their life. It says it's a total change of mind and heart and direction of life from the way of self-indulgence and get to the way of give. It says we turn from selfishness to selflessness. That's a hard thing to do. It takes time, and it takes God's Spirit and our effort, God empowering us, and then us really using that. To repent is to change our whole past attitude and life apart from God to a new God-centered way of life. It's quite a challenge. It's an awesome challenge, and God gives us the power to do that through his Spirit if if uh, we've been called and repented and baptized and had uh, the true ministry lay their hands upon us, we have the gift of God's Spirit. We can work with that, and we can be empowered to change. It's awesome to change. God's not there looking to to uh, blot people out. He wants people to repent. He has no no joy or happiness in the death of sinners, but he wants sinners to repent and to change, and we've all sinned except for Christ. And so we all need to repent and to change. And God's there to help us. Repentance is a change of direction. If you'd like to understand more about this topic, and um, it's something we always have to keep learning more about, uh, please request the Herbert W. Armstrong Bible Correspondence Course. Uh, You can sign up for the whole course. Today we're talking particularly about Lesson 9, but you can sign up for the whole course. That's free, and it's at thetrumpet.com. And I'll get into a lot more detail about this and many other vital, vital subjects. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live By Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. 
I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.